Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Innan vi sätter igång så vill vi bara be er om lyssna på det här. We uh, put a lot of time in this and would appreciate if you could support us through Patreon for as little as 10 crowns a month. Men Jonathan, är det inte svårt att bli Patreon? No, you just go to patreon.com slash teach me Sweden. We spend our time doing this and it'll be nice to get a little something back. Men hur betalar man? Måste man använda något jobbigt Paypal-system? No, no, you just uh, get it directly from your bank account and subscribe and it gets taken out every month as little as 10 crowns a month. Oh, and then we even have other levels for people that want to give more. They can get more back. Yeah. We, we try to increase that as much as we can. We really appreciate the support. Just go to patreon.com slash teach me Sweden. Do it! Välkommen till Teach Me Sweden, en historiepodcast av två komiker som lär varandra svensk historia. Jag heter Erik Broström. And I'm Jonathan Rollins and in this episode I'll be teaching Erik about a very famous author and playwright and burning man. Skulle man kunna säga ett busfrö? <laughs> With the alcohol problem. <laughs> busfrö med alkoholproblem, coming right up. <laughs> What a greeting. Jag har gått från glad överraskad till svinrädd. Jag ska se. Vad kan man hitta mer liksom? Oh my god. Oh man. You ready to learn some Sweden? Man? Om jag är. Yes man, you get to just sit back and be funny man. Det bästa som finns att sitta och lyssna på dig när du lär mig svensk historia. I am I was told by my wife that you will probably know who this person is. Okay. I think your wife holds me to a higher standard. <laughs> Nej, men vi får se. Det är ju inte omöjligt att jag har hört namnet. I think I've mentioned this person in a previous episode. Okej, och jag har gått igen genom hela Sveriges skolgång. Så jag har säkert hört någonting kanske. When I mentioned them in the thing, you knew. Ah, är det Alströmer? No, okay. I thought you were going to do the street guy. No, okay. That would be good. Okay. But when I mentioned them, you were like, oh, okay, I know this. Okay, ah. So we'll do it, man. Well, let's hop right into it. Johan... <laughs> en eh, svensk historisk person som heter Johan, jag kan inte tro uh, det. What a coincidence. Uh-huh. Johan August Strindberg. Oh, ja, August Strindberg. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jag har spelat Strindberg, jag är skådespelare. Alltså, oh, wow. jag, och jag har spelat Strindberg. Um, när I gymnasiet så gjorde vi, uh, Strindberg är väldigt populärt, så då gjorde vi utdrag ur hans pjäser, Fröken Chili och uh, mm. alla de här, det är den enda jag kan nämna på just nu. Okay. Och jag spelade August Strindberg. Okay. Så jag hade den här lilla mustaschen, jag var ju bara 17, men jag det är en sån teatermustasch <laughs> som höll en monolog om sitt liv och så. Are you a, uh, a method actor? 
Uh, yes, I went right into his way of living. So you probably <laughs> you probably know all about this. Nej, men jag har nu så här. Jag har, jag har kunnat en hel del. Jag vet ganska mycket om honom. Ja, ah, nice. Men jag vill jättegärna höra den här historien för att det var väldigt länge sedan jag fick någonting från hans. Jag har varit i hans lägenhet, hans museum. Really? And where is that? Drottninggatan, nästan längst upp. Okay. Wow. All right. Well. Um... Let's get it. Let's get to it. Go, go, go. My wife was right yeah. about you. Yeah. <laughs> Johann August Stringberg was born on January 22nd, 1849. He was the third surviving son. That's crazy that they have to put that too. Surviving son. <laughs> well, <laughs> I got 12 kids. I've had 12. <laughs> But three lived. But August killed them. <laughs> He's the surviving. <laughs> I don't know. You don't have a. You don't have death matches in your living room. What kind of parent are you? <laughs> hey, survival of the fittest. Yeah, man. We have a Royal Rumble every every Saturday. <laughs> He was the third surviving son of a shipping agent Carl Oscar Stringberg mm-hmm. and maid Eleanor Eleonora Ulrika Norling. Hmm. I bet for no slags title, at all. Yeah, man. Uh-huh. I, I wrote that. Yes, we got the woman's job. She's a maid, yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. She's a maid, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, according to Streamberg, he dealt with emotional insecurity, uh, pop poverty, uh-huh. and uh, re- religious fanaticism. Oof. And neglect as a child. Oh. It's like a perfect... Oh. Yeah. Perfect, uh, 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 what do you say, soil for uh, yeah. uh, artistic for artist. <laughs> yes, artistic soil, exactly. <laughs> so remember that, uh, kids. Uh, emotional insecurity, poverty, religious fanaticism, and neglect mm. is a recipe yeah. for an artist. You should be lucky. <laughs> <laughs> If I weren't neglecting you, I'd tell you all about it. You could become a starving artist when you grow up. <laughs> Spoiled brat. He was considered calm mm-hmm. and quiet as a child. No shit. <laughs> his, father, his father was a strict disciplinarian. Uh. The family moved around quite a bit. Uh, for four years of his childhood, he attended a strict school in Stockholm called Clara Skola. Okay. That was so harsh that it haunted him as an adult. Can't think of I wonder what happened in that school. Oh, uh, hur? <laughs> Jeez. <sighs> Uh, uh, <laughs> you see this ruler? Yeah. We use a baseball bat. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to PTSD. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Welcome to PTSD 101. <laughs> PTSD element. T- today we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> What school did you go to? <laughs> PTSD elementary. Uh, he has a strong memory of a friend that fell through the ice and drowned. Okay, how... Hade de lektioner ute på isen? It's just some... Uh, this is one of his memories. Okay. It's oh, yeah. one that he just mentions while you look out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember my friend fell through the ice and drowned. <laughs> Wait, what? What did you say, August? August, what did you say, Mina? I think it was when my friend ran through the ice and died. I saw him like... Kämpa för sitt liv under isen och jag såg hur livet slocknade långsamt medan han kampanikartat och med kramper runknade. Ja, men det är nog mitt bästa minne. Um, I don't want to know about the worst. Ja, det var när jag gifte mig. In, uh, in, in 1860, mm. he went to Jakobskola, that was nicer. 
Okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and again, uh, a year later, they moved again to um, Stockholm Lyceum Private Boys School. Okay. He was interested in biology, uh, religion, and photography. Uh, and according to him, his mother resented his intelligence. Okay, for whom it's so smart. Uh, well, well, all we know is she was a maid. That's oh, all. seems like we have ourselves a reader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cleaning, <laughs> and you're uh, reading. <laughs> I, 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 my, my, I, I make the clothes clean, <laughs> and you play around with letters. <laughs> <laughs> you're taking in information, you piece of shit. We'll arrangera bokstavliga ordning så att de skapar ord. Jag städar. His his mother uh, died when he was 13. Uh, yeah. Oh. And he says he grieved for three months. <laughs> Then he was like, well, that's over. <laughs> Got past the... It feels funny to set a time stamp on it and hev that you did it constantly. Three months. The clock is ringing. Ding, ding. Okay, so... Oh, nu ska jag bli författare. Uh, a quick question. How long did you grieve when your friend <laughs> fell through the ice? Två dagar. Okay, okay. Constant grief. Mm. Two days. Mm. All right. Uh, <laughs> within a year, his father remarried to his tutor, Emilia Charlotta Pettersson. Till Augusts lärarinna, alltså mm. tutor. Ah, okay. Mm. And uh, she happened to be 22 years old. Yeah, <laughs> thirteen <laughs> years uh, years younger than the father, uh, uh, and August hated her. Oh, oh, it's so, yeah. And uh, and his his sisters actually said that they believed they were his biggest enemies. Like that he like he just, they just believed that he hated them the most too. För jag har ju jag har hört många gånger att Strindberg eh, har blivit anklagad för att vara kvinnohatare. Oh. Och han har uttryckt sig väldigt eh, hatiskt mot kvinnor i många av hans verk. Om du går på Drottninggatan vet du att det finns citat från honom längs vägen. Det står i så guld, guldbokstäver. Ja. Okay. Och det kan, helt plötsligt kan det vara typ så här skitsfina grejer som så här. Och sen bara typ så här, kvinnan är en lömsk varelse. Alltså det kan oh. verkligen vara så här, Jesus Christ. Okej. Okay. Ja. Mm. Mm. Starting to uh, come together. Yeah. Stringberg spent the late 1860s trying to educate himself. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah, he was, he was working. It, was, it, seemed, it seems like a major focus in uh. his life, actually, uh. is to uh, uh, obtain knowledge. Uh. He spent the late, uh, I mean, he, uh, he studied medicine uh. and chemistry yeah. in Uppsala. Försökte han göra guld? Um, I don't see that. Nej, okej. Okay. But yeah. maybe. Jag för mig att han kanske, skit, skit i det, jag lyssnar på dig nu. Uh, he studied medicine and chemistry in Uppsala, uh. Lund and Stockholm. Uh. He worked in the pharmacy on the side. And as a school teacher, like just to, to uh, yeah, yeah. so this makes me think I'm just like working class dude. That's the, yeah, that's yeah. the, the, the picture yeah. I get. And then finally in May of 1869, he was ready to progress and he took his exam, which he failed. And then he said, fuck this and gave up completely. <laughs> <laughs> nice build up. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I quit. Uh, yep, that's uh, it. No, no more of that. I was gonna try to make gold. <laughs> Jag tror faktiskt att han gjorde. That was his thesis. They're like, uh, that's not gold. Yeah, <laughs> that's putty. <laughs> Well, fuck this, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then in 1870, he went back to Uppsala University. Uh, But this time it was to study aesthetics and modern languages. So he left the whole science (laughs) sector and went to... Gold-making days are over. (laughs) (laughs) More into the language arts. Uh, He was also interested in the stage. And he began dabbling in some plays. Uh, At this point in his life, he was into Darwin. Mm-hmm. And he started a club called the Rune Society. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know if they say Rune. R U N E. Rune, I Rune Society, mm. which was a literary club. Mm. Uh, fun fact about that was the members took on nicknames from the ancient Teutonic alphabet. Okay. Wait, what? I don't know what it is alphabet. I don't either. It was like uh, the Teutons were an ancient northern European tribe mentioned by Roman authors. Yeah. They're best known for their participation together with the Cimbri and other groups, of course. Yeah, but that's why I thought it had something to do with Germany, because uh, du vet Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, Hedley Lamar, han, uh, han har en... en uh, det, är så, det blir som sidostoria, men jag måste nämna det bara för att jag tänkte okay. på Tyskland. Han har en, en förförerska som ska liksom förföra uh, The Black Sheriff. Okay. Hon är från Tyskland, uppenbarligen. Hon hon är typ så här, hon skriver oh, till yeah. mig på tyska I, I need to see you in my dressing room right after the show. <laughs> och sen när hon har misslyckats så har han henne tillfångatagen och hon håller på att sjunga någon jävla tysk nationalsång och han typ så här Shut up, you Teutonic twat! <laughs> jag tycker det är så roligt. Han har satt sig som citat så väljer jag bara det här med Tyskland gör. Uh, okay. okay. Så de tog sina namn It's från the, Teutonic uh, alphabet. Yeah, Teutonic alphabet which uh, apparently is some ancient Greek, Roman something. Yeah. Um, Uh, what was Strindberg's nickname, you ask? <laughs> I'm dying to know. It was Frö. Frö? Yes. Ah. The seed, after the god of fertility. Ah, okay. That's what, that's what he wanted so to go by. So he thought that he was, I'm a Frö. I'm a Maybe, that sounded so gross. <laughs> uh, Strindberg started trying to crank out some stage plays. He started writing a play about Eric the Fourteenth. Hey, we talked about this a little bit. But the Rune Society said it was whack, so he gave up the idea. Well, Eric the Fourteenth was whack. How can you hit up a soccer? Exactly. It's like, hey, man, it's just true. Yeah. Then he wrote a comedy in verse, which was like the the language of the arts um, mm-hmm. at the time. Um, uh, the Royal Theatre accepted the play and premiered it on September thirteenth of that year. Mm-hmm. This is his first year trying this. And he already got his first play uh, nice. produced. Uh, as Strindberg watched the play being performed, he uh, he said he realized that it was not good, <laughs> and he felt like drowning himself. Oh, the the lotus from the Strindberg I have called for. I know where this is going. Jävla galning. Okay. Uh, Critics felt differently, mm. and uh, the reviews for the play were good. But I, if the man wants to drown himself, jävla idiot. He wanted to switch things up and and not write in verse anymore. Okay. He uh, wanted people in his plays to speak more naturally. Var det kanske det som stödde honom att det rimmade? 
Oh, maybe. <laughs> oh, I mean, it didn't natural, nat- uh, necessarily rhyme, but it was like a poem. Ah, just det. Men det är lite som Shakespeare skrev också på vers, men inte nödvändigtvis rim hela tiden. Exactly. I had written that before I took it. I mean, I didn't say that part, but yeah, I, I used Shakespeare as the reference. Yeah, för det var Shakespeare skrev på blank vers, tror jag. Exactly. And yes. one way to know that is because I'm I'm theater school. Uh, Uh, it's it's a it's the rhythm, rhythm yeah. to be or not to be that is the question mm-hmm. that is the rhythm mm-hmm. and then you don't pronounce it like that but that is how you make that you can write in blank verse if you go by ba 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 with the stavelse cool and but uh, Shakespeare was who inspired him to change to uh, to more naturally speaking with the because Shakespeare did the same he switched to iambic pentameter. Mm-hmm. Um, and which was instead of to be or not to be is the uh, what's it called the question Ro- uh, no <laughs> two houses both alike in dignity and is there Verona where we lay our scene yeah that's iambic uh, pentameter ah that's, cool cool uh, his newer stuff was getting mixed reviews and he said Uppsala was depressing <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Uppsala shout out to Uppsala you're not depressing Uppsala is one of my favorite places to perform by the way jag har aldrig uppträtt där. Jo, det har jag. Med mitt uh, hårdrocksband. Okay. <laughs> Som jag inte har kvar. <laughs> <laughs> After an Uppsala performance. Ja, ja, ja. Fuck these people. <laughs> Vet du vad? Jag tror att det var ett av våra sista gig faktiskt. Mm. Oh no. Mm. Uh, every time I perform there, they love to laugh. They seem to be happy, have a good time. So, I don't know what he's talking about. Nej. Eller hur? He went back to school in Stockholm and kept writing his play The Outlaw. And mm-hmm. it got shredded by critics. Aj då. But King Charles XIV loved it. And gave Strindberg 200 riks dollar in order to support his studies. Jesus. 200 riks dollar then is the equivalent of getting 12,908 crowns today. However, according to historicalstatistics.org, 200 riks dollar riks mint er år 872 motsvarande betalning för lika lång arbetstid som 2952 Ja, det är därför jag inte läste den. <laughs> He became frustrated and rewrote it several times over the next 10 years. Wow. Like, this can work. It's a master and it's Olaf. <laughs> What don't they see? Hur kan de inte tycka om dem? He was jaded and bitter now. He went back and gave school another shot. <laughs> han var alltid bitter. Vad snackar han om? Nu? Han har varit bitter så länge du har pratat om honom. Ja. He went back and gave school another shot. Ah, oh, tillbaka till gold making. Yeah. <laughs> I can make it. It's not putty. <laughs> And then he left again without graduating. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, fuck Hallet. this. Man. He wrote a collection of short stories about being a student. Mm-hmm. And in the collection of short stories, he talked shit about Uppsala and the professors there. Det suger att vara student. Det är det värsta som har hänt. Nej, nu, nu skriver jag på vers igen. <laughs> <laughs> They don't understand what putty is. <laughs> They call my gold putty. <laughs> the, the the tail end of the 1870s was more of a roller coaster for uh for Johann August. 
He met aristocrat Siri von Essen. Yeah, Siri von Essen. In 1875. She was a 24-year-old actress. He was 26, so it's not weird. Yeah. Uh, and was only an aristocrat. She was an aristocrat through marriage. Okay. That's, uh, what, that's what she had married mm-hmm. into mm. aristocracy. Yeah. He was smitten. Yeah. During those times, he were, referred to himself as a failed author. Uh. <laughs> Hi. I'm a failed author. <laughs> What? Oh, you actress? Failed author. Ah. Hi, how you hey, doing? Augustine by Misslyckad Författare. Hey, hey. <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, have you failed at anything? <laughs> and then he looks out the window. I once saw my friend fall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a whoa, whoa, I cannot. Here's a quote from him. Mm-hmm. This is in English, though. Okay. I feel like a deaf mute. As I cannot speak... And I'm not permitted to write. Sometimes I stand in the middle of my room that seems like a prison cell. And then I want to scream so that the walls and ceilings would fly apart. And I have so much to scream about. And therefore, I remain silent. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the longest for- form of Knitenavni Fikan. Very clear. What? Uh, then in January, the next year, I just thought that was a funny quote I wanted to read. Yeah, that. yeah. Then in January, the next year, he had a falling out with his father over the family business. Yeah, but he loved his father. It got so bad that he cut off communication with his dad. Yeah. Didn't attend his father's funeral when he passed. <sighs> yeah. What? He started sneaking around with Siri. Mm-hmm. And later that year, she divorced her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They went public with their relationship, and Siri got a job at the Royal Theater. Snicked. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com They got married. Uh, she was six months, I mean, seven months pregnant when uh, they got married. Mm. So, almost, uh, a, almost a bastard. Almost as close. Close. <laughs> you sure you can't push the wedding up a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> the baby was born premature. Oh, so yeah. yeah, man. Uh, and died after two days. Oh, had it. Yeah, man. The next year, 
1879, his novel The Red Room mm. came out. Klassiker, inte läst. Känner vi mycket väl till. Okay. Uh, it was a satire about Stockholm, Stockholm society. Yeah. And is now considered the first modern Swedish novel. Yep. Swedish crit- critics gave it mixed reviews, but they loved it in Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> And they said he was a genius. <laughs> <laughs> you talking shit about Sweden? <laughs> we'll take it. Underbart. <laughs> This was his uh, breakthrough uh, novel in uh, Scandinavia. Yeah. The aftermath of the book had people wanting to get to know about uh, this Strindberg. Uh, and then he, he made a response to one critic that said this novel, the novel makes the reader want to join the fight against hypocrisy and reaction. Hmm. His quote is, I'm a socialist, a nihilist, a Republican, anything that is anti-reactionary. I want to turn everything upside down to see what lies beneath. Mm. I believe we are so webbed, so horribly regimented that no spring cleaning is possible. Everything must be burned, blown to bits, and then we can start afresh. Jag känner igen det citatet faktiskt. In Swedish. The 1880s saw Lindberg grow in popularity. He completed a drama called The Secret of the Guild. I should have gotten the Swedish titles, huh? Right after The Red Room. He released previous writings and contributed to a Copenhagen newspaper. Okay. He did a Teach Me Sweden type of thing where he chronicled Swedish cultural history from the ninth century onwards. Oi. Oh. Yeah, it took him a full year to complete this project. Uh, and, and he made a point to make it about ordinary people's lives instead of just like royalty or whatever. Alltså inte riktigt som det vi håller på med. That's like the only thing we can find. Yeah, true. I wonder how he found it though back then. Ja, oh, men fan säkert mer då. Talking to people. Fan, han pratade bara med folk. Yeah. Uh, are you from the 9th century? <laughs> <laughs> you got any stories from your grandma? From your father and his father before him. Men det lär ju vara, alla har väl någon slags släktkrönika liksom. Yeah. Så det lär ju säkert gått att hitta. The uh, 1881 production of Master Olaf was a great success and con- considered Stringberry's big breakthrough in theater. Hur mycket har han skrivit om det då? At least 10. His name's not even Olaf anymore. Nej, nej, nej. It's something weird. It's Gandalf or something. <laughs> It was a five-hour long production. I'm in a fan! Directed by Stringberry himself mm-hmm. and was critically acclaimed somehow. Oh, fem so, timmar. <laughs> the biggest... Uh, uh, quote from a, a critic was I fell asleep twice no I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, not, that's not true <laughs> five hours goddamn. damn I bara två gånger ett mästerverk ett mästerverk it'd be funny you know how they put the quotes on a play yeah <laughs> best I've ever seen <laughs> fell asleep, asleep twice, twice. <laughs> three pee breaks for this <laughs> <laughs> Then in uh, 1883, Lucky Peter's Journey came out to financial success, mm-hmm. not just artsy success. Okay, he was making some money now. The play was acclaimed, but Stringberg said, and I mean, in his words, basically it was a cash grab for him. Like I need the money, yeah. So I made this play, and for so me, not, and for them. Yeah. Mm. He wasn't afraid of controversy. No. One chapter in Red Room titled Våra Idealister och om den offentliga lögnen, kanoniseringar och festtal. He called out men in public life. Wow. 
Strindberg lied about their blemishes and their vices, and it was considered scandalous at the time. Uh, uh, he criticized virtually every social institution there was, <laughs> and many people who wrote nonfiction perceived it was wrong for a fiction writer to venture into their Men känns det, vad fan ska han hålla på? Rickard är en slampa. Victor har inga pengar. Hålla på. They said it was too real, I guess. You know uh, what I mean? Maybe, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking there, it's like, um, maybe it was too on the nose. Yeah. To, uh, maybe. But yeah, he got, mm. he, he got some heat for that. And he was so widely discussed around Sweden. Oh, did you hear that shit? Uh, that he, uh, he felt that he and his family should leave for a bit. Oh. Uh. Uh, Siri was not a fan of leaving Sweden. Nej, hon jobbade för fan på teatern. Yeah, uh, he made her quit. Ah. Uh, this is the next... Uh, he had already asked her to stop working so she could have another kid. Ah, uh, oh, mm-hmm. I know this. Mm. He said, listen, woman. Uh. He's like, he was <laughs> he was his time's Sean Connery. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you have to smack her every now and then. <laughs> every now and then. The woman doesn't them. know when to stop. Woman doesn't know how to shut up. <laughs> Have you heard? You seen that? I've seen that clip. <laughs> yeah, that clip where he's like, uh. and also I don't understand these scripts. För de sista tio åren så gjorde han fruktansvärda val och tackade nej till jättemånga stora roller. Vad var typ till Matrix till till rollen som Gandalf. Really? Jag har den här filmpodden med med Martin Sonneby och Ola och Fanny. Han, han dyker upp väldigt ofta typ så här. Sean Connery was, was approached to do the role but declined because he didn't understand the script. <laughs> too many words. Too many words. And I, I'm tired from smacking my wife. <laughs> Then she never knows when to quit. Uh, in September 1883, the Streamburns joined the Scandinavian artist colony in Grez outside Paris. Paris. Oh, titta där. But only a few weeks later, they moved to Paris because they were like, what the fuck is Grez? Mm-hmm. And uh, and later to Auchi at Lake Geneva, just south of Lausanne in Switzerland. Okay. In 1884, Stringberry wrote in a letter from Switzerland to his brother, Axel. It smells like rotten shit from Sweden all the way down here sometimes, but it'll work out. Trevligt. <laughs> Optimistisk syn som vanligt. Uh, at the age of 37, he wrote a four-part autobiography. Uh Part of it was banned until his death. Hette en del Inferno. I believe so. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about För that. För han var lite galen då, tror jag. Yeah. <laughs> But the part that was uh, banned was the part when he was wooing Siri. Jaha. Yes. Vadå? För att hon var gift? It contained actual love letters. And I wrote, it was probably banned because she was married when he began courting her. Uh, uh. Uh, but him dying doesn't change that fact at all. Nej, nej. <laughs> so, uh, but I guess they made it better to print. So later they did print the. Uh. It contained those love letters and they printed the love letters. Oh, uh, okay. Uh. But uh, at first uh. they were just like, <laughs> we cannot print this. <laughs> She's a married woman. <laughs> You're calling your own wife a dirty whore. Yeah. <laughs> the late. I'm by y'all. She was. <laughs> Uh, the late, uh, all women are actually. <laughs> the late 80s saw him confront his religious beliefs, going from Lutheran uh, to de- deism and uh, eventually to atheism. You sure it wasn't dietism? 
Di- is it diet? <laughs> no, he went on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> Losing my weight in the name of the Lord. I only eat crackers and wine. <laughs> my new religion is crackers and wine. Uh, <laughs> he continued writing and producing plays throughout Europe. Uh, 1888 saw him separate and reconcile, well, reconcile with uh, Siri, as well as uh. founding the Scandinavian Experimental Theater in Copenhagen. Okay. Yeah. Siri uh, would manage the theater, so he gave her a job. Look at that. Well, mm-hmm. see, he's no, not no. so bad. No, he just came out from the In my theater. In Denmark, in Copenhagen. He probably was one of those people that gets with somebody who's cheating on their guy and then suspect that she's going to cheat on you the whole time. Säkert. Han har ju But så mycket. Know, my guess. I don't know. Han har så jävla mycket demoner så det känns yeah. så. Uh, writers from all across Europe were sending him scripts in the hopes to having their plays um, at his theater. Okay. But the project lasted less than a year and then he moved back to Sweden. And Siri moved to Finland, where she was from, with her children. Just it, för när jag spelade Strindberg så spelade min motspelerska Siri och då pratade hon finlandssvenska. <laughs> så då tänkte jag, är det Siri Vanessen som är från Finland? Yeah. Och det verkar som att det var det. Ja, ja, she was. August Strindberg took three years off from the theater. After the failure of the, uh. the theater. Uh, he wrote essays on philosophy and he started dealing with his inner conflict and all of that stuff. He's, he's going to a dark place. Yeah. He claims that at this time he sunk deep into madness. Was it his word? Yeah, yeah. He would have visions and paranoia. Yeah. He liked to drink, uh, and his favorite was absinthe. Ah, klassiker. Som skulle ha någon slags hallucinogeneffekt på den tiden. Ah. För att de hade något. Men jag vet inte om det där är en myt. För att det finns ju absint nu, och den är väldigt stark. Right. Så man kan bli full väldigt fort. Men tydligen ser det så här. Om man har sett Moulin Rouge så blir de ju typ så här LSD-höga. Okay. Och jag vet inte hur mycket sanning som ligger i det Men det var också många som Jag tror Van Gogh tror jag drack absint Och okay. i någon slags absintfylla Skar av sig örat Så att uh, Vad tror jag? Fan, lyssna inte på mig Påpeka inte att jag har fel nu om ni lyssnar på det här <laughs> What he did call As you mentioned, he called this period of his life The inferno period Yes, och det är väl den uh, han skrev en bok som hette det tror jag yeah. The 1890s song Deal with writer's block This uh, affected his financial situation. Yeah. Financial troubles spiraled into depression. Mm-hmm. Seems like a, a vicious cycle. Yeah. And all of this led to him being unable to support his family. Because mm. uh, I guess he was still supporting his uh, his ex-wife and, and, of course, his kids. Uh, how many children did they have? They had two girls, okay. as far as I saw. Okay. A German magazine produced an appeal to help Strindberg. Jaha. Tyskland liked him also. Yeah. We have to help him. <laughs> Get him up now. <laughs> uh, money was raised for him uh, and he left Sweden to get the artistic juices flowing again in Berlin. Alltså åker dit och knulla. I don't know, man. If you say artistic juices, I'm, jag kommer direkt koppla det till något slags sexuellt pervers. Liksom. <laughs> he began producing some of his works in Berlin. He hung out with Scandinavian artists at a tavern called The Black Porker. Well, that's a whorehouse. <laughs> <laughs> And there's only African women working here. <laughs> the Black Porker? No, The Black Porker. 
Kan du inte läsa det kan jag. He's like that there's a big difference in the two. Yeah, one yeah. I'm getting fucked and one I'm fucking. That's true. <laughs> uh he read Fr- he met Frida Ull. Frida Ull. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh spelled U H L. Uh she was 23 years younger than him. Mm-hmm. Just throwing it out there. Uh and they- <laughs> shout out to age difference. <laughs> Uh, they yeah. got they got married in 1893. Okay. He was known to be indifferent or hostile to religion, uh, especially priests. But uh but now he had undergone some sort of conversion to a personal faith. In okay. the postscript he noted the impact of Emanuel Swedenborg on his current work. So uh, he's still working. Uh-huh. Yeah. Kan de här uh, religiösa <laughs> åsikterna ha dykt upp i galenskap och absint kanske? <laughs> Probably. Mm-hmm. He's like, instead of cutting out my eye, I'll mm. find the Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He had spent the tail end of uh, the, the late 1890s, 96 and 97, in the university town of Lund. Aha, åkte ni dit? Ja, you were there recently. Ja, just det. Ja. Var han också där för deras humorfestival? <laughs> Yep. Uh, he made a number of new friendships and he felt his mental stability and health improving and he uh, started to get back to writing and that's when he wrote Inferno, Legends and Jacob Wrestling. Ah. I don't know if you heard of that. Maybe nah. I don't know the titles in Swedish. Jacob's Wrestling? It says J- Jacob Wrestling. Uh-huh. Känns inte som att wrestling fanns på den här tiden men låt gå. Maybe, maybe it's a direct translation. Maybe he was a pioneer. <laughs> he be he inventor. No, wrestling is one of the oldest things in the world. He was the world's first wrestler. <laughs> no, that was like Greek, right? Isn't that like a Greek thing? Yeah, but I'm talking about the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> He's Vince McMahon's idol. <laughs> he came out for his book his book signings. <laughs> Talking shit to all the other authors. Take that Darwin. I will fuck you up. I will fuck you up. Yeah, Jacob. He hits people with chairs. Um, in 1899, uh-oh, almost the 1900s, Woo-hoo. he returned permanently to Stockholm uh, following another production of Master Olaf. Master Olaf seems to take him through his transition. Yeah, they like some an ständig succé. Yeah, uh, and and that brought him back to Stockholm. They like some Colin Nutley's Englagård. He had a desire. You said what? Colin Nutley's Englagård, one of the most seen Swedish films. Oh, okay. Klar, Lars Oberg's Selskapsresan. We'll get there. <laughs> I'll do them. Okay. <laughs> uh, he had a desire mm. to become recognized as a leading figure in Swedish literature, mm-hmm. and to put earlier controversies behind him. And he felt that historical dramas were the way to attain that uh, status. And he claimed that he was writing realistically. He freely altered past events and biographical information. <laughs> also known as Tarantinoing. Maybe it was for a long time also that they thought that the 14th century story was a little whack. Maybe. maybe. But... but <laughs> Vad då ett rymdskepp kom och plockade upp ägten 14. <laughs> ja. <laughs> Duh. Gjorde de. Uh, so then the 19s, 1900s came around and uh, he was pivotal in the creation of chamber plays. Mm, just det. Alltså uh, precis uh, kammarspel. Yeah, the three act, three act play with small cast. Yeah. And so he's focused on the acting 
the acting part of it. He even had a, a, a small theater where it was like no set, basically. Yeah. It's just like stage, and then he just has seashells, and then boom. Yeah. This is all we got. Yeah. Uh, sounds like it's very fun. Yeah. That was sarcasm. Oh. <laughs> no, but because uh, I was like, yeah. Uh, I'm, if, I'm saying, if, if, especially if it's five hours long. Oh, only five hours long, absolutely. But I have the experience of, there is an improv format called Mono Scene. Improv is different, though. Chamber Place. Yeah, but uh, uh, this is a three-act Mono Scene, so one oh. act. But it plays in real time as a piece in one and the same room. Så skillnaden från det till andra improformat där du kan hoppa liksom och byta platser och så. Mm. Så i manusin, den utspelar sig så är det 30 minuter så är det 30 minuter som händer där och då i den handlingen. Liksom. Oof, that sounds really difficult. Yeah, it's super improvise. fun. It's very based on character, okay, like okay. character and relations and of course finding the funny in that context. So, so I, find, I find improv to be more entertaining though. <laughs> for sure, it's not. They have any other likeheter with August Strindberg. Oh, good. Nej, it nej. seems like that's more, to me, it's more impressive. I like freestyle rap and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's a lot more focus. It's 100% focus on humor. Improv. Yeah. All right. Uh, he thought he was going to get the Nobel Prize in 1909. This dude has a really... Uh, I, I like it. I like it. He thought he was going to get it, but Selma Lagerlöf in uh, what we'd like to call... Uh, Uh, justice, sweet justice, um, was a woman who got it instead. Yeah, jag har funderat på att ha faktiskt prata om henne några gånger, men jag har inte kommit dit än. But she was the first woman and Swede mm. uh, to win the award, so that might have contributed to his uh, feelings about women <laughs> <laughs> towards women. Uh, and then he he founded that theater I was telling you about, the Intimate Theater, which is what it was called I in see. Stockholm. That was uh, kind of stripped down. Wait, it in Intiman? Then finns fortfarande då, tror jag. Om det är den. Yeah, that's the one. It was a stripped-down theater. Yeah. Um, and it was together with the young actor and stage director, August Falk. Mm, okay. Uh, and you, did you say Kammerspiel? Is that what you said? Yeah, Kammerspiel. Yes, chamber exactly. chamber place, yeah. And it was modeled after Kammerspiel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we get to him finally getting a play in the United States. Ooh. His uh his play The Father opened on April 12th, April just 9th, 1912 at the Berkeley Theater. Fadern, just that. Fan, all the Yeah. Mm. Um and the reason that it made it to America as we've mentioned before is Werner Oland's wife. Oh, really? Translated Strindberg um to uh American Yeah. Just that. That was when you said Oh, I know Strindberg. Oh, <laughs> and I just like, okay, must be a guy. So Charlie Chan's uh, Charlie Chan's wife, uh, yeah. Edith Gardner Schoen Oland, um, did that, and that was their project, and that's what got them a lot of money because they were the ones that did the full translation. Just there, just there. Yeah, man, it all ties together. As History, always. it's crazy. Yeah, uh, teach me Sweden moment. Uh, and then, just before, like he had, they they started staging the plays, and uh, but in Christmas of 1911, he uh, he got sick with pneumonia, mm-hmm. and uh, he started to suffer, and he had stomach cancer that was like, he started feeling pains from that in 1908, mm-hmm. and the final weeks of his life were very painful, according to uh, to people around him. Oosh. He was a national celebrity, but it was clear that he was seriously ill. 
so one thing that um, pointed to that was the fact that the daily papers in Stockholm reported on his health in every edition. Hmm. Like an update, a ah. streamberg update ah. on him. And that's that's some crazy love right there. Det är verkligen. Uh, and he got letters and telegrams from admirers every day from across the country. And uh, one month and five days after the debut in New York, uh, he succumbed uh. to pneumonia and the stomach cancer. Hmm. And uh, at the age of 63... On May 14th, 1912. And so young, so man, man, 63. I mean, with stomach cancer. Har man binget absint i säkert par år så. Sure, that didn't help. Nej. Yeah, so um, they were given strict instructions about his funeral, how his body should be treated after death. Only members of his immediate family were allowed to view his body. There would be no abduction, no photographs would be taken, and no death mask. Where was made? Death mask. They had a likeness of the person's face put onto the body. Yeah, I think you did it. It's a little weird. He wanted the funeral to be taking place as soon as possible after death <laughs> to avoid crowds of onlookers. This dude had a very high opinion of himself. Hello. Uh, But they made it uh, take place on a, a Sunday so that it was possible for working men to pay their respects. Ah, uh, not so. women. <laughs> <laughs> so the funeral was post- postponed for five days, and that's not what he wanted. But uh. Uh, And his last wish, the funeral procession was to start at 8 a.m., again to avoid crowds, but large groups of people were nevertheless w- waiting outside his home as well as the cemetery as early as 7 a.m. Huh. And the short service was conducted. Um, in his home, presence of three of his children and housekeeper, in which the coffin was taken outside for the funeral procession. Huh. Damn. The proces- procession was followed by groups of students, workers, members of the parliament, and a couple of cabinet ministers, and it was estimated that up to 60,000 people lined the streets. Mm-hmm. King Gustav V sent a wreath for the bear. Hmm. Uh, he left a legacy, as you know. Yeah. Um, Tennessee Williams, Edward Albee, Maxim Gorky, John Osborne, and Ingmar Bergman are among the many artists who have cr- cited Stringberg as an influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's the the life of him. He was criticized. He was uh, he was uh, opposed to conventional authority. He was difficult to pigeonhole as a polit- political figure through his long career. He penned scathing attacks on the military, the church, and the monarchy. And for most of his public life, he was seen as a major figure on the literary left and a standard bearer of cultural radicalism. But later in his life, he went conservative, like yeah. as you do. As they do. And uh, and he had some religious views that alienated some people who were like, oh, oh, I thought this was our guy. <laughs> uh, and then late, like toward, like right before he died is when he went back to uh, criticizing Uh, like he did early in his career. Uh. So, svårt att bestämma sig. Yeah, den lilla rackan. <laughs> yeah, man. So that's uh, that's our guy, man. The man who uh, had the inferno burning inside. Yeah, shaped modern writers. Yes, that's Och- August uh, Strindberg. Mm. Eller Frö. Did <laughs> <laughs> you remember that? Frö. That's the life of Frö. <laughs> so fertile. Yeah. Fertile fruit. So, God of fertility. Yeah. 
Yeah, man. That was a great story. Yeah, I, um, I hope I did it justice. I felt like it was a, a big one to do. Det är svårt. Uh, det här är nog så här. Det här är säkert... Det här, här finns det alltid en chans att det är någon som är världens Strindberg-fan. Men fuck it. Jag lärde mig mer om Strindberg genom det här samtalet. Och det är det som är huvudsaken. Exactly. Mm. That was fun. Thank you all for checking us out. You can support us on... Uh, Patreon.com slash Teach Me Sweden. Yeah. Send some suggestions. If you got somebody that you really uh, want us to check out, mm. go ahead, send it. Send links too. Anything you uh, you have. If you want it in Swedish, uh, just write it in the title for Eric. Yeah. And if you want it in English, write it in the title for me at teachmesweden at gmail.com. This has been Jonathan Rollins and Eric Broström. Teaching you Sweden. Yeah. Peace. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.